Welcome to Bite Size Podcast today. Today we'll continue with our series called History Lessons in Modern Times. In this series we will look at the books in the Bible called the History Books. And from these we'll try and extract some lessons which are relevant for us today. The books of the Bible from the book of Joshua all the way to the book of Esther are classified as the history books. There are 12 historical books and they record the history of the Israelites from the time they entered Canaan, the promised land, and settled until after the Babylonian exile. These books are the book of Joshua, the book of Judges, the book of Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, the book of Ezra, the book of Nehemiah, and the book of Esther. We'll spend some time in this series looking at the lessons that we learn from these books which are relevant to us as the church today. We'll see how these lessons can help us understand the times that we live in and what we as a church are called to do during these times. You see, an appropriate response by the church to the turmoil that we find ourselves in today has the potential to strengthen the impact that the church will have. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 we read <coughs> every scripture is God breath given by his inspiration and profitable for instruction for reproof and conviction of sin for correction of error and discipline and obedience and for training in righteousness in holy living in conformity to God's will and thought purpose and action so that the man of God may be complete and proficient well fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work you see the history books as captured in the scriptures are profitable to us today and as the King Solomon said there is nothing new under the sun we can learn what the scriptures say about the times we live in and what we are facing based on the fact that it has been before. We can learn from the history of Israel both what to do in response to these times and what not to do. Furthermore, we can learn from these scriptures the right way of responding to the issues of our time. With this in mind, I want to wrap up the first book that we've been looking at, the book of Nehemiah. We've looked at a few concepts in this book and I want to apply this to ourselves today. The topic for this final episode on the book of Nehemiah is called A Call Back to God. You see, whenever we face dire situations or circumstances when it looks like there is nothing more any man can do to kind of rectify the situation or to try and deal with the circumstances that we face 
and all that we have tried has failed. When we've run out of options and the future before us looks bleak, there is a call released from heaven for us, a call back to God. You, you see, it's not a call to do just one thing or to say just one thing or to reason one thing, but it is a call first to humility, a call to giving in and not giving up, a call to all of these things combined and not just to focus on one. A call back to God is a call to go to the source of all things. You see, we face many challenges in our lives. In fact, even Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But fear not, for I have overcome the world. We're guaranteed to go through challenges. But in the book of John chapter 1 verse 3 to 4, the Bible reminds us of this. It says, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. All things were made by him. It doesn't say some things. It doesn't say most things. It says all things were made by him. Now this is such a profound statement because what it's really saying is that he is the source of all things. He's the reason all things became. You see, when we face perilous times in our lives, And in the times we find ourselves in, as we are facing in the world today, our only true hope is to go back to the source of all things. Go back to Him in humility, knowing that the solutions we seek for the world today are only found in Him. In the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verses 12 to 14, we read, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence amongst my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It's quite unsettling when you look at what the church's response to the times we face today has been. It has either been to fight amongst ourselves or to fight with the politicians or or to fight with those in authority. But we are not called to do that. We've just read this passage in 2 Chronicles. In fact, let us go into this passage and see what this call back to God calls us to. 
says, if my people, which are called by my name, first thing, shall humble themselves. You see, a call back to God is a call to humility. A call to, to the acknowledgement that God is above all and knows all. Like Jesus says to his disciples in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 24, it reads, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him first deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This call to humility is a call to self-denial. Today, we who claim to serve God are so full of ourselves that we throw a fit if something does not go according to how we like. If things are not done according to what fits us, we don't even want to engage. We want things to fall into line according to how we like them before we can even engage with them. You see, Jesus is reminding us that denial of selves means that sometimes God will flip the script on us. That sometimes things will just not go the way we want. But what he's calling us to do is to focus on what God is doing and how he is doing it. He is a sovereign God and does not cater or play to our feelings or likes or dislikes. But his plan is always perfect. Humility calls us to go to him and not to stand on our high heels and pass judgment on how things are handled. It is high time that we who call ourselves by his name humble ourselves. The second thing he says is that we must pray. Now much was said to this point in our first episode of this series called The Call to Prayer. But I want to emphasize this. You see, like Nehemiah, we need to understand that prayer is surrender to God in repentance without conditions, without reservations. When Nehemiah went before God, he didn't say, they sinned, so forgive them. He said, me and my forefathers have sinned against you. He owned what was the consequence, what was... the the, the result of what happened to them. We need to understand that when we pray, we pray with humility. Not thinking that we know God better. Not thinking that we are better than the other. But by putting ourselves in their shoes and remembering that we were given grace and that was not because we deserved it or we were special but it was because God loves us. The same grace that was extended to us can be extended to them also. And then he says the third thing, if they seek my face. Now I want to caution with this. The book of Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 and 7, reads like this. 
Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We live in a time when God can still be found if we seek him. But we cannot seek him holding on to wickedness and unrighteousness. The Bible reminds us that light and darkness do not go together. They do not commune together. Our seeking needs to be with our whole heart. But it needs to be with a heart surrendered to him. Like Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 33, Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Our focus should be that, should be on his kingdom and his righteousness, not the righteousness of man, which according to God is filthy rags. Today we justify one another through a standard of our own righteousness. And we forget that the standard of true righteousness is God and not us. So as we seek Him, let us seek His righteousness as well. So that we know how to pray in repentance. And when we've lowered our standard of righteousness, let us let go and remember that He is the standard of righteousness. And the last thing, God says that they must turn from their wicked ways. You see, saints, unless and until we purpose to let go of all wickedness, we just continue in this futility in our pursuit for God and His righteousness. You see, we cannot continue with the kinds of abomination that we see in our churches and our pulpits today and still claim to have abandoned wickedness until we cleanse ourselves from all wickedness our pursuit for God is a pursuit and futility because God is holy and the Bible reminds us in the book of Hebrews that without holiness no one will see him You see, God promises that when we do these things, He'll not only hear from heaven, but He will forgive our sin and then heal our land. Our land needs the healing that He has promised. But the condition is that we repent, we turn, we humble ourselves. And if we fulfill this condition, then we guarantee this outcome. Now I've said all of this to make this opening point. That a call back to God is seen throughout all of scripture because God knew how fallible we can be as human beings. Thus he made a way for us to seek him when we have strayed. He made a way for us to go back to Him again and again. Now we see this call 
and the book of Nehemiah in chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8 reads like this. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood up, stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And besides him stood Matithia, and Shema, and Anaiah, and Urajah, and Hilkiah, and Maaseiah, and on his right hand, and on his left hand, Pedaiah, and Mishael, and Malkijah, and Hashum, and Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabethiah, Hodijah, Maaseiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Pelaiah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place, so they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Nehemiah, which is the Tershata, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorrow. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites shifted, stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great myth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities 
and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths, as is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, every one upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness, also day by day, from the first day until the last day he read in the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. Well, I've read all of that, and it's quite a mouthful and a long passage, but I want us to pick up a few things out of this passage so that we can understand how this call back to God was released to the children of Israel in the days of Nehemiah and what it teaches us today on how we should respond to the call back to God. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is this passage tells us that the people gathered together and called Ezra to bring the book of the law. You see, they didn't call Ezra to entertain them with his own stories and figments of his imagination. They didn't call for that which was not known already, but they understood that God had revealed what they needed for their time and what was written already in the book of the law. You see, we we gather today in our congregations and in our churches to be entertained and to listen to other men or women telling us things that they want us to hear or that they think we want to hear, but not what is written in the Word of God. You see, it is the Word of God that we need and everything in it. In order for us to realize how far we have strayed and how much we need to turn back to God, we need to hear what God's standard is so that we are able to find our way back to Him. The people of Israel in the time of Nehemiah understood this. They understood that they didn't need another man's opinion about their lives, but what they needed was the Word of God, undiluted and unadulterated. They didn't need Ezra's interpretation of the Word, but they needed the Word itself. They didn't want to get caught up in debating doctrine and understandings, but what they needed was to hear what God had said to them so that they could do it and that they could experience the goodness of God and all the promises of God that he had given to their forefathers in and through his word. You see, at the end of that passage, we read that they even went and found out that during the feast that they needed to create booths to announce to the whole of Israel to go and get branches to build booths. And they did this not trying to understand whether it was for a particular time or a particular way, but what they understood that it was a commandment that God had given them and it was a commandment that they needed to fulfill if they wanted to walk according to the word of God. The second thing is, this passage tells us that Ezra brought the law before all that could hear and understand. 
You see, he did not only bring the law to a select few or a special group, but to all that could hear and understand. That is a need today for the word of God to be brought before all that could understand. Today, we don't want to do this because we fear opposition um, to the word of God. But God knew that this would happen. Yet he gives a command. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The command was to go. The command today is still to go. Not to sit in our comfort zones and preach to each other, but to go out to all nations. And not to teach them what we think they want to hear, but to teach them all that the word of God has given us. Whatever the word of God has commanded us, that is what we want to teach. Even today, the command is still to go. You see, a call back to God is a call back to doing what his word has said to us. And his word has said go. The third thing that we find from this passage says now you see before I go to this point I want to say this I know a lot of people might not like what I'm about to say but I want to say it because I think it is important to us today it says Ezra read from the book from morning until midday and all that time the people were attentive Today we set too many restrictions on time, how much our sermons should be, how much our church services should be, what portion should be dedicated to the word. And I understand why our pastors and leaders have had to do this. Because we have put this pressure on them. We have prioritized our personal time above the time in the word of God. We've created a culture of 45 minutes to an hour sermon, Christian. You see, the children of God today can sit and concentrate through a three-hour movie, but find a two-hour sermon on the Word of God too long and too boring. Yet the same people don't even read their Word until they're in church on a Sunday. You see, the destitute children of Israel who had seen the consequences of turning away from God understood that they needed more of the word than ever and stood from morning until midday just to hear the word of the Lord attentively. We find ourselves in that same place of destitution where the walls of our morality and the walls of our schools and the walls of our churches have been broken down. The walls of our society has been broken down. In order to rebuild these walls, we need to come back to God in humility to hear his word and how his word says we must do it. 
You see, the children of Israel were so desperate for the word of God that they even came back the following day. Because they knew that the source of their redemption and the healing of their land lay in the word of God, through whom all things were made. The fourth thing that we get from this passage it says, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. You see, the respect and the reverence for the word of the Lord gripped the children of Israel so much so that they understood that they could not just sit in the presence of the word of God. Because they understood, as John said in John chapter 1, The Word was God. Now before we all go crazy, I'm not saying that people should stand when the Word is preached. But the condition of our heart sometimes when the Word of God is preached is that of sitting down almost as if we do not give respect or reverence to the Word of God being preached to us. We're busy on our phones, busy on our social media when the word of God is being preached and we're not giving it the rightful attention we shut our hearts up because well sometimes we've had that passage many times but what we forget is that the writer of Hebrews says it is alive and active so it might be the same passage that you have read many times but it still possesses the power to completely transform our lives each and every time it is spoken or preached to us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You see, an open heart which is ready to receive will always hear what God wants to say through his word. Our attitudes are very dismissive towards the word of God. actually have more enthusiasm talking to our friends of the church than we have in listening and understanding the word of God which is life the fifth thing that we find from this passage is this it says all the people answered amen amen with the lifting up of their hands and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with the faces on the ground People's response to hearing the word of God being read to them was to worship. You see, a responsible response to hearing the word of God is worship. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, chapter 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Other, Other versions will say a reasonable act of worship. The Apostle Paul is telling us that the most reasonable act of worship is offering all that we are as a living sacrifice to God. Meaning that when we realize that there are part of our lives we have held back from God when we encounter His Word, our response should always be a worship towards Him. Unrestricted and unreserved worship, our response should always be surrender 
of those parts that we have held back. The writer of James says that we should not only be hearers but doers of the word. So our response to hearing the word is to do it. The sixth thing that we find from this passage says they read the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. You see, the job of a responsible pastor or leader or teacher is to give sense to what the word says and to cause those he is teaching to understand it, not according as he wants, but according as the word says. It's not my responsibility as a teacher of the word to add what I want to add or create my own context around what the word says. The word is not there to justify my reason. My responsibility is to clearly explain what the word says and not to twist it. Today there's many of us teachers of the word who use this word to our own benefit to justify our own ambitions, our own convictions and behaviors that are sometimes contrary to what the word says. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, let us be careful to not teach this word for personal gain, but let us teach it for the sake of the souls and for the sake of the kingdom of God. Saints, call back to God is a call back to basics. This walk of Christianity is one that has been that has given that was given a manual through which we ought to walk. Nothing contrary to the word of God qualifies as a pure walk before him. You see we deceive ourselves and others when we condone sin and all manner of wickedness in our congregations and in our unions and in our lives and walk either through omission or commission we are called to walk as Christ walked perfect in all ways the apostle Paul says in the book of Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 he says now that you've accepted Christ walk in him we cannot call our walk a walk with God if it is outside of the word of God. Now this doesn't mean that I'm perfect or you are perfect, that we don't falter, we don't make mistakes. In fact, the apostle John says, if anyone says he without sin, he is a liar and the truth of God is not in him. We falter each and every day. But when we do falter, we are reminded to humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways. When we falter, we know that we have a high priest who intercedes for us, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. When we falter, we view our sin according to the word of God. With disdain, disgust and sorrowful repentance. We don't harbor it, we don't hide it. We confess it so that we move on from it. Ours is to always focus on Christ who is the author and finisher of our faith. You see, we are called to walk according to how God has instructed us in his word. 
not mixing his word with our own beliefs and customs, but in the purity and perfection of his word, unadulterated. A call back to God is a call to walk upright and to teach others to do the same. It is a call to do away with compromised standards and to hold on to God's high standards, ensuring that we search ourselves each and every day. We search each and every corner of our hearts to ensure that we do not walk according to the standard of this world, but according to the standard of God and according to His Word. You see, a call back to God is a call to repentance, a call to humility, It is a call that we should take up. Not only what we stand to benefit, but our land stands to benefit from us taking up this call back to Him. He says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. I want to close with this. There's a song that I love. And I want to read it to you. It simply says, Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. See on the portals is waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Come home. Come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Endlessly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling all sinner, come home. Even today, he stands calling all sinner, come home. He is calling us back to himself. That it doesn't matter whether you are born again or not, whether you know him or not, he is calling us to true repentance to come to him because only he will pardon our transgression. He's calling us today, friends. Would you heed his call? Would you let go and let him take over? Would you let go of the bitterness, unforgiveness, lust, fornication, greed? Would you let go of that sin today and truly turn back to him to heed his call? today, if you would like to heed his call, I would like to pray with you. You can pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, today I turn back to you. I know that I have not been fully attentive to your call. I have made it all about me when it was always about you. I repent before you and turn from all wickedness and unrighteousness. You and you alone are Lord over my life. I repent from all things that are contrary to your word, which I have adopted in my life and in my ministry. Hear my prayer. 
forgive the sin which I have made my own and heal our land. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, friends, if you've prayed this prayer with us today, remember God loves you and He's given you all you need for life and holiness in His Word. Study this word and let it transform you. We'd like to hear from you if you need some guidance or have unanswered questions about the Word of God. Please listen to the end to get our contact details. Well, we'll end our discussions here today. Please do join us on our next episode as we continue to look at the history lessons in modern time. We start a new history book. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for joining us today. Well, if you want to get in contact with us, or you have questions about this episode, past episodes, or any Bible-related question you might have, you can do so through our social media pages. On Facebook, we are Bite-Sized. On Twitter, at Byte underscore Word. On Instagram, it's Byte Word. Or you can send us an email on info at bitesizedministry.co.za. That is info at bitesizedministry.co.za. Or you can visit our website at www.bitesizedministry.co.za. That is www.bitesizedministry.co.za. And there you can use our contact us form to get in touch with us. There you can also access our daily devotionals or our written sermon of the week. Again, thank you for tuning in and goodbye.